Welcome to the Wellspring Church Podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus' love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. Just before we do that, it'd be good to pray together. First of all, just in case uh, you didn't already know, hello and welcome. My name is David and it's my privilege to be opening up the Word uh, for this new season uh, really excited to be doing that with you all. And uh, before we do that, it's always good to pray to prepare our hearts for what the Lord wants. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you love to speak to your children. You care so deeply about each and every one of us. And so, Father, right now, I ask that you would help us. Would you enable us to have open hearts for your word today, Lord God. That it wouldn't just be a listening exercise, but it would truly be life-giving and fruitful for our lives. And uh, Lord God, I pray, Father, right now, that if there's any distraction, any limitation that we may have on our lives, Lord God, would you remove that in the name of Jesus, that we can hear clearly your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as I said, it is a privilege to be with you today, and I wanted to especially uh, welcome and thank those from Art Community Church who are here just joining us for today. So uh, if you're here, can we just give them a round of applause, and then those who don't, thank you. Um, I'm sorry about your building. But um, yeah, it's always a privilege and a pleasure as a church family to host other church family. We all belong to the kingdom, and we only belong to one church in Watford anyway, and that's Jesus' church. So um, last week, uh, Tim, before he handed the baton of leadership over to me, he gave one final charge as a preacher, not just unto me, but unto all of us. And that charge, if you can remember, just a week ago, was to follow him, was to follow Jesus. And I can tell you with every uh, value and every intention in me, that is what we're going to be building on as a church family. And we've decided to do that even in our teaching series for these next three Sundays. Uh, It is to love like Jesus. And uh, the reason, have you ever thought, why do we follow Jesus? And the reason behind why we follow Jesus is to become like Jesus. We don't follow him just to follow him. We follow him to become like him, to look like him, to end up so that we can love like Jesus, to be like him. There's no greater pursuit than pursuing Jesus, than to become like Jesus and for us to love like Jesus. I don't know about you, but myself growing up, maybe a little bit today still, there were certain pursuits of what I wanted to be like. There was people I wanted to be like. And here's just a variety of people, many of which I wanted to be like. Um, And some of us could say, like, we want to be like them. And I know some of you laughing. I, I make no apology. I wanted to be like Michael Jordan. And uh, some of you laughing already. Yes, I know I'm five foot seven and a half. And I know I had no chance of dunking. Still can't dunk today. But I did the 180 fadeaway shot. And you get the swish in the net. And uh, it may have happened one in 20 shots. But when it happens, it felt good. But can I just tell you, regardless of what I wanted to be like or who you'd like to be like, there is no greater pursuit than following Jesus. And becoming like Jesus, to love like Jesus. Nothing is more worthwhile. Nothing is more worth your time, your talents, 
all that you are, your treasures, nothing is worth following Jesus or pursuing Jesus to become like him. He is the one that is worth all your attention, all your affection, all your purpose, all your plans. Nobody is worth the pain and the struggle, but he is. And I want to encourage you today, even though there are many noble pursuits we could want to become like or live for, nothing is as good as becoming like Jesus and to love like Jesus. At Wellspring, our vision is to see Jesus' love transform communities. Not our love, Jesus' love. And therefore, if we want Jesus' love to transform communities, then we have to love like Jesus, right? Because it's not our love that's going to do it. In fact, here's a phrase I sort of downloaded in prayer this week. Vision, any vision really, but vision, our church vision, becomes a reality when we become what it requires. I'll say that again. Vision becomes a reality when we become what it requires. And if you've been part of the Wellspring Church family for the last couple of years, we've been really speaking into more of the nature of becoming rather than doing. Okay, so it's a journey of becoming. And we've talked about being strong in faith, being deep in prayer, being bold in witness. But can I summarize that all to you today in saying, if we are to love like Jesus, we become all those things. The greatest pursuit is to love like Jesus. And over this series of loving like Jesus, which I believe we're going to dip in to in and out throughout this year or into next year, we're going to start off with three messages. And today I get to do the message of Jesus's baptisms. So the baptism of Jesus. Next week, Magda is going to be talking about the message of Jesus. And then finally, the week after, I'm going to be talking about the suffering of Jesus. But today, before I start going into how to follow and how to love like Jesus, I'm just simply going to share what is required of us to love like Jesus. I'm simply going to share what needs to be happening, at least in us, for, those, for, for us to love like Jesus as an output. And so to do that, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. So if you've got your Bibles with you, please can you open them up or uh, open up your phone and open up your Bible app. And uh, we can uh, look at these scriptures together. So the baptism of Jesus from Matthew's version. Verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. That's John the Baptist, by the way. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Now, the baptism that Jesus had by John followed John's preaching, John the Baptist's preaching. And if you look earlier in chapter 3, you'll see John's baptism, his message was repent and be baptized, not just simply to repent and be baptized, 
because, but because the kingdom of heaven is here or advancing. In fact, Jesus ushers in the kingdom of heaven. And so here we have a picture of Jesus being baptized, but it's to do with the kingdom of God. And so I've always been a bit confused. Why did Jesus get baptized? And even John the Baptist is confused. You want to get baptized by me? I'm a sinner. I know I'm your cuz, but I'm a sinner. You're Jesus. You're, you're, you're pure. You're perfect. You're righteous, but you want to get baptized by me. And the thing is, baptism is a picture of a few things. Baptism is a picture of a cleansing and a washing in, in fact, it's, a, it's not just a picture of a cleansing and a washing, but it's a, a picture of death, burial, and resurrection. See, Jesus started his public earthly ministry with a sign of what was to come. And it is an example to us that we must follow, that we would also get baptized in water, yes. But actually, the symbolism here goes beyond that. It's that we no longer live for ourselves, we don't live for our kingdom or our way, but actually we're so caring for, and may I say even obsessed for the kingdom of God, that we would die to self and live for his purposes. And this can only happen with our own cleansing or with us humbling ourselves. What you'll see in this passage is Jesus, although He's starting his public ministry here. We know that Jesus is, the, Jesus is the eternal Logos. In fact, he wasn't just present at creation. He is what by the means of which creation came through. And yet, Jesus here is showing an example to us that we, if we want to follow him, we need to humble ourselves. Humbling ourselves is the beginning to it all. And Jesus, even though he was the great king from heaven, came down unto us, put on flesh, became incarnate, he humbled himself. Even to the point where he got baptized as a demonstration for us by somebody who was a sinner. But get this, he says, to fulfill all righteousness. That to humble ourselves, it requires other people to humble ourselves unto Jesus, in this very picture, humbles himself to a demonstration for us all, but even humbles himself to have John baptize him. Before we can even love like Jesus, there's a few things we can do to look like Jesus. And I don't want to just look like him. I want to be like him, right? We want to be like him. We have to humble ourselves. Tim last week passed me a baton with the um, inscription on it, Jesus came to serve and not be served. And I know that was given personally to me, but actually for each and every one of us, if we humble ourselves and we want to go on this journey to be like Jesus, to become like Jesus, to love like Jesus, then we are here to humble ourselves to serve him, to serve one another. It's not about ourselves. And it starts with humbling ourselves. It starts with repentance that cleanses us, that cleans us, and then sets us up to work in the kingdom of God. So let's uh, progress and look in verse 16 as Jesus is baptized. Watch sequentially what actually happens here. First, we see Jesus humbling himself, the baptism, and then in verse 16, we see the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, descending upon him like a dove. This is my first point today. Jesus lives in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
we need to live in the anointing of the Holy Spirit if we are to love like Jesus, to become like him. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was seen in four kind of symbols, one of them being water. Uh, he ho- the, waters, um, the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters in creation. Also, there's uh, the wind. The Holy Spirit was signified as the winds blowing. Uh, the Holy Spirit also in the Old Testament was seen as fire. Fire came upon the sacrifices. And finally, a practice of anointing uh, with oil. Uh, the first kind of kings of Israel, they were anointed with oil to signify not just the anointing of the Holy Spirit, but the presence of God to equip those people to lead. In this picture here in baptism, we have all those four images repeated. We have the waters of baptism. We have the heavens. Look at this. The heavens moved apart. The heavens opened. The wind opened up the heavens. And then we have the fire. Now, the dove wasn't a real dove, a bodily dove, because it came upon Jesus and alighted him. This kind of light, whatever it was, it lit, it, it, it lit on him, but it came in him as well. The presence of the Holy Spirit. And finally, if you didn't realize this, the dove actually symbolizes not just peace, if we think about Noah after the storm, but what did the dove bring back? An olive branch. Ah, and where do we get the anointing oil? The olive oil came from the anointing branch. This is the Spirit speaking loud and clear here in the baptism, in this, like, the Trinity turning up for this special occasion moment. But the Holy Spirit came and anointed Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to anoint us also. And not just simply to mean we're special, but to set us apart for God. That's what it simply means. And, and um, Tim, you know, he anointed me last week. And it, it's not just special for me as a leader. Yes, you saw that up front. But it was anoint me, with, set me apart for a specific task to serve. And I tell you all, even though you may not have had physical anointing on your head like that, we have all been anointed by faith in God, by humbling our hearts. You have all been anointed by God for a purpose. In Isaiah 61 which Jesus reads in the New Testament and says this is about himself. Today, this is fulfilled, right? It says, I have been anointed for what? To preach good news to the poor, which is amazing because if you think about the dove again, the poor person's sacrifice when he couldn't you know, afford the lamb was the dove. So even at his baptism, there's this joining up with Isaiah 61 and to do with sacrifice. The Holy Spirit anointed Jesus for a specific task. The Holy Spirit today anoints us so that we have the presence of God in our lives, but for a reason, for a purpose. The Holy Spirit is not homeless. The Holy Spirit occupies all of heaven But the Holy Spirit is also obsessed about the kingdom of God, about God's rule and reign. And so he wants to take up his residency in your lives to bring God's rule and reign in your lives. And so he wants to work in us for his rule and reign, but through us to expand the kingdom of God into the whole earth. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit that we get to co-labor with him in, to be set apart. So the presence of God 
leads to the purpose of God. How amazing is that? Just take a moment, church, to, to think the, heaven of, the, the God of heaven who resides in heaven has chosen specifically to reside in us by faith, our faith, that he would take residency, occupancy in us, but not just that, but he'd be willing to do his purposes through us, that God would use each and every one of us for his kingdom. That's an amazing privilege and joy to be part of. And I'm, I'm ecstatic about that. I, I'm so grateful for that. I make no apology that God is trying to build his kingdom through us. Now, here's the thing, though. Holy Spirit sounds great, doesn't he? Sounds great that he'd feel the presence of God. Yeah, up for that. Doing the purposes of God. Yeah, I'm up for that, being a servant of God. But then what we have to realize is the purposes of God isn't that easy. So yes, Jesus came to anoint, uh, Jesus came to proclaim good news, but we know where Jesus' destination led him to, and then into heaven and where he ascended on high. But it's, it's not as easy as we may think it is. And I, I want to say, just because life is difficult doesn't mean you don't have the anointing, doesn't mean God isn't leading you in that way. I've always wondered in Psalm 23, it says, you lead me down the right paths. This is God, our good shepherd, right? But why does it say in like the following verses, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? Hold on, has the shepherd got it wrong? No. The right path may be through the valley of the shadow of death. But God will be with you. He will strengthen you. Monday this week was my first uh, day as senior minister. And uh, as my job, I uh, decided for my first day to take Moise, a friend, a pastor friend from Burkina Faso. I had to take him to another church in Folkestone. And on my way down the M25, um, I broke down. And uh, here's a picture. I got my tire burst. And yeah, we won't go into the whole story because, yeah, that tire is completely shredded. And, uh, but the, my immediate thought once safely pulling over to the side was, I, I've got RAC. I'm ready to ring them. I, you know, I spend all that money. I'm going to get them to help me. And here's the thing. I know how to change a tire. I'm just not very confident. I've never actually practically had to change a tire. And Moise said to me, no, David, let's do it together. And uh, as you can see, he's the one who did it. But anyway, <laughs> we did it together. We did it together. And I'll say this, right? Even when he was doing it, I had everything that I needed. And as he was doing it, he was even using the jack wrongs. I was like, <laughs> Moise, you need to turn it the other way around. But, but here's the thing. You may joke, if you look at this as a sign, oh, David, for your first... A day in ministry as a senior minister, this is not a good sign. <laughs> You're going to break down. No, that's not what's going on here. And maybe I'll get really, really tired. No, no, don't like that. Here's what I actually heard from God. On your way, on your destination, David, whether there's bumps along the way, whether you have to get hard-shouldered, you have everything you need because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And not just because I had all the right tools in the car, but I had Moise. I have God with me to show me the way. That's not just for me, guys. That's for you. In terms of the kingdom of God, wherever God is leading and guiding you and asking you to advance his kingdom, he gives you everything you need. And that's not every just a spiritual blessing. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. But your gifts, your talents, your treasures, they're from God as well. And they can be used for his kingdom. But the best part is he's with you. He's with you through the valley. Some of you need to hear that today. 
You haven't been led to the valley by yourself. Actually, the Spirit has led you through the valley, but he is with you, and he will keep you going. Just in case you're wondering about that verse, it says, though I walk through the valley. It doesn't say I'm stuck and sidelined and I'm stopped there. No, it says as I walk, as I progress through the valley. Okay, Jesus lives in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need to live in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Watch this sequentially. Next verse, 17. You see that the Father says, this is my son, whom I love, and, with, uh, and I am well pleased. Point two, Jesus lives in the approval of his Father. We need to live in the approval of our Heavenly Father too. We are... By the anointing of the Holy Spirit coming upon us, then God speaks over Jesus. And you may not hear an audible one for yourself, but God speaks over you, my child. Do you know we are children of God? You are sons and daughters of the King Most High, of God in heaven. Not only has he created you and made you, but he's calling you and choosing you to be his son and daughter. That's incredible. You are family to him, which means you belong to him, which means he'll take care of you. And you actually represent God the Father. You represent his kingdom, his domain. And then let's not just make it personal to ourselves. Let's think collectively, especially as there's representatives of other churches here today. We know that 1 Peter 2, some of us may know 1 Peter 2 says we are a chosen people. God chose us. We're not a mistake. He planned us. He chose us. He wants us to be his people. Not only that, we are a royal priesthood. So not only are we sons and daughters, we are kings and queens born to rule and reign on the earth, to bring his kingdom into reality. Vision only becomes a reality if we become what it requires. We are to love like Jesus. We are called to be a holy nation. The church has to be set apart from the world. We're reaching the world, but we're set apart to be God's children. And then this is amazing, because I know in this day and age, and probably through the ages, just being a child or being children doesn't mean you're loved, sadly. And I, I find that one hard. I got choked up in the first one because I'm a father. But know that you are children who are so fiercely loved by God. God really does love you. And please hear me. And I'm still learning this one. But please hear me. You are loved not because of what you do. It's because of who you are. Hear me again. You are loved not because of what you're going to do. Think here. Jesus in his earthly ministry, he's done nothing yet. No water into wine. No miracles. And yet he's got the approval, the affirmation of the Father saying, this is my son whom I love. He speaks that over us. He loves you, not for what you're going to do. You don't have to work towards the approval. You work from approval. I am approved by the Father. And if that wasn't enough for you to blow your mind already, Jesus pleased God the Father. He, he pleased him. Do, do you understand that we as his children, loved by him, we can please the Father in heaven? That, I... I Come on, guys, just, just think for a moment. Me, you, us, even though we sin, make mistakes, mess up, even though we get things wrong, do things our own way, we can still please him. We can bring joy to the Father. And not only that, he rejoices over you. 
He rejoiced over Jesus. He rejoices over you. It's in the Bible. <laughs> it's there. Now, he doesn't rejoice over you when you're sinning and making mistakes and things like that. But he rejoices over you as his son and daughter. But the things we can do can glorify him. Oh, it's so good. And yet, and yet sometimes, well, it's easy for us to disapprove of ourselves, right? We don't think we're good enough. We reject approval. Sometimes it's hard to even enjoy ourselves, right? Sometimes, yeah, I know, there's times in our lives where we, we, we literally can't enjoy ourselves because things have gone wrong. But I want to encourage you, regardless of what's going on in your life, the Lord approves of you as his child. When you humble your heart, you come clean with him. My daughter, Sailor, is seven and just started learning the piano. And uh, one of my joys is sitting with her. And then one of my other joys is sitting with her while she's playing the piano. And this week, she was playing the piano. She's only learning. And to be honest, we're all just learning whenever we're doing things. But she's only learning. And she was getting a few notes wrong. And I promise you, I didn't pick up on the wrong notes. I didn't say, oh, Sally, you got it wrong. Um, but I said, but she noticed when she got it wrong. That's good. That's a good sign, right? But when she got it wrong, she got annoyed. And then she asked me to to leave or to move. Now, unfortunately, because I've got open plan house, it's not, not so much I can do. So I had to move away from her. And I was like, oh, this is sad. And then I, I, I heard God speak to me. He said, you know how you feel about your daughter pushing you away, not that you were doing anything? David, you do that to me. When things are going wrong or when things aren't turning out how I think they should go, I sort of push away the father. I want, I want to hide from him. Yeah. And what was funny is, in my analogy, obviously, I moved away from Sailor, but I don't think God ever moves away from us. We choose to move away from him. And yet God is always approving one and come, come back. I want to encourage you, don't do things on your own. And yes, sometimes we're embarrassed, and, and the journey with God can be embarrassing at times. We mess up in things, and things go wrong, but let's not push him away. Let's not live outside the Father's approval because that's a road that leads to destruction. We need to live within the approval of the Father. Jesus lives in the approval of the Father and we do. We also need to too. Uh, a final one. We're going to move into Matthew chapter 4, 1 to 11. I don't have the time to read it, so it's some uh, homework for you, but I'm going to bring out some things and it may even come up on the screens if uh, our projector guy is kind enough for you to do that. Now look here. Remember I said we're, appoint, we're anointed by the Holy Spirit and sometimes we get led down difficult paths. Jesus, immediately after being baptized, the Son of God, is then led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Don't stop there. For what? What is the reason? To be tested. What? Holy Spirit, you're taking Jesus to be tested or to be challenged or to be tempted, as it says in my NIV. What? No, the Holy Spirit is growing us, is strengthening us, is helping us become what the Lord wants us to be or what the Father wants us to be. And so I want to encourage you, obey the Spirit. And sometimes when you're led in certain areas and you're like, what is going on? This doesn't seem right. No, just hold on to the Spirit. And so Jesus does. Now, whilst he's out in the, in the desert, Jesus is challenged, tempted, whatever, tested by the deceiver, by the enemy, by Satan. He's tested three times. You see it in verse 3, 6, and 9. But look, all these tests are about Jesus' identity. 
in this passage, you will see twice that the enemy says, if you are what? If you are the son of God. Church, if you're the child of God, surely this. Church, if you're the children of God, then prove yourself. Surely, prove yourself, surely. And this will be a message that we're bombarded by, but we get here, Jesus, one-to-one with the enemy. And it's important that we look at how Jesus deals with the enemy. His identity is called into question, and he answers three times, this is Jesus, by the word and the authority of Scripture. This is my third and final point. Jesus lives in the authority of the words. Church, may I suggest to you that we need to live in the authority of the word. Not by the world, not by the secular values and principles that we're bombarded by, but by every word that comes from God. Amen, hey? Look, to sum it up to you, I've uh, looked at these three tests that Jesus has given, and I've themed them this way. If we could have them up. Thank you, Chris. Jesus is tested in verse 3 about his power. Well, if you are the son of God, make bread for yourself from these stones. Jesus says, no, basically. Uh, go to the word of God. Then he's questioned, well, if, if you are the son of God, throw yourself off this high place. Prove your value. Jesus says, no. Then finally, the enemy says, bow before me and I will give you the kingdoms of the world. Jesus says, only worship the Lord your God and serve. I love that. He includes serve. So worshiping, we think of as Sunday gathering. Worship is life, let's be honest. Let's think about worship as a whole life principle. But serving is only to serve him. Not yourself, by the way. Not others, just him. And through him, you serve others. So we don't serve others to make ourselves better. We serve others because God's called us to serve. Anyway, look at this, PVA. Now, if anybody went to school... You know PVA means something that I can't remember, but it it means glue, really. (laughs) God, Jesus, stuck to his identity through the words. We need to stick to God. We need to stick to the word. And I I know Jesus was tested in different ways to us, but I, I promise you, in our journey, we'll be tested by power, value, and allegiance. Okay? Oh, Maybe you're testing your identity. If, if you are a child of God, or no, not even that, but if you are the son of God, if you are a daughter of God, then surely you'd be married. Surely you'd be a husband. Surely you'd be a wife. Surely you'd be a parent. Surely you'd have this relationship. Surely you'd be a leader. Surely you'd get this place in your work. Surely you'd be able to do this. Surely you'd be given that award. Sure, no, no. Your identity comes from God the Father. Now look at this as well, three layers. Power, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Value, the approval of God. You want to know your allegiance? Check the authority of the words, and you'll find it there. Now, here's the thing. When you make PVA glue, sometimes you add a bit of water to it. Then you add a bit more. If you keep adding water, if you keep looking for your identity in power, value, and allegiance, that's not from the word, but from out there, soon enough, your identity stops sticking to you because you're losing what God is calling you. 
I want to encourage you, regardless of the principles of the world, the values of the world, regardless of the things that you may think sometimes or what you're taught or what the world is trying to put on you, I want to encourage you, stick to the authority of Scripture. If we want to look like Jesus, if we want to become like Jesus, we need to be anointed by the Holy Spirit, live in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need to live in the approval of the Father and we live in the authority of the word. And here's the amazing thing. Jesus, before he ascended, he said to his disciples, all authority has been given unto me. And he releases his disciples and apostles and says, therefore go. We've been given Jesus's authority as well as the word. So as we come to respond, we're on this journey to love like Jesus. None of us are the finished product but Jesus is so faithful that what he starts in us, he will lead through to completion. You are loved, you are cared for, you are sons and daughters. But before all of that, we need to humble ourselves. And so, Ban, can I just welcome you up? I'm just going to encourage us, church. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer of humbling ourselves for the Lord. To, because, you know, humbling in the, in the order allows the Holy Spirit. You know, when we humble ourselves, when we confess our sins, then the Holy Spirit can come upon us and lead and guide us in the right way. Amen. In fact, ju just to do this, would you mind standing as a sign of your surrender? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, right now, we continue to humble ourselves before you. Lord God, if there's anything not right in us, an assumption, a misunderstood thought, an unconfessed thing, or a cycle, Lord God. Father, we, we just open ourselves up to your Holy Spirit right now to come and minister before us. Come, Holy Spirit. Lead us in our response. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by what you've heard. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, Wellspring Church, or how you can grow with others in faith, Connect with us by clicking the link in the episode description or by joining us on Sundays at 9 and 11am in person and online.